This is JFM Podcast. Very good evening to you and welcome to the program Nigeria at Sunset on J11.9 here in Jos. My name is Ponsak Fanab. Uh, this is hoping that uh, while you're having a very awesome 17th November 2020, good evening and how's it going? Well, good. Um, I'm just counting out to the end of the year. Uh, I told a friend of mine this afternoon that if there's anything I've gained from this 2020 is the fact that every time you try to put your feet out, something else is tending your back in. If it's not from the pandemic, the lockdown, uh, the answers, the curfew. But it's been a year that I've taken a lot out of Nigerians in terms of, you know, freedom, in terms of having your voices out. And at the end of the day, just like I always tell people, every single victory you achieve in 2020 is a special one. Whether mm-hmm. as an athlete or as whoever you are, it's a special feeling. Because this year, I've thrown a lot of people up and around. And um, it seems the conversation as regards how the presidency is choosing to deal in the courts, in courts now, deal uh, with people that feel, yes, uh, you've had enough. Uh, the whole social media conversation. I just saw this statement of Mr. President not quite long and. Those kind of things, just as a young person, just make us to look positive about 2023. There seems to be a lot of uh, the good meters for 2023. Go use our voters' card in 2023. And if you see the conversation going, uh, you begin to ask ourselves, how strong is the third force going to be in 2023? Or perhaps you still go back to settling with some old people from the same you know, school of thought we've always tried to work against. Uh, it's pretty complex. Now, but uh, we've survived the year. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. This is the 11th month. I think the 17th day of November. Uh, truly, it's been a big year for us. Good evening, and thank you for joining us on Nigeria Sunset today. Well, indeed, it uh, has been a very, I would say, incredible, remarkable, uh, incredibly ima- remarkable year. A lot of interesting development. For me, Okbae, you know, the year hasn't been bad, you know, really, but I give thanks, uh, really. Well, a uh, lot of stories. I-, I know that people are wondering what will make David Omahi, you know, the governor of Eboyu State, decamp. First, it was rumors. In fact, some days ago, I think uh, last week, you know, there was... Uh, saying that uh, he has left the uh, People's Democratic Party to the All Progressives Congress. And we did a background check on that and discovered that uh, it hasn't yet, you know, happened. But, uh, well, it is now confirmed that the governor of Ebony State has left the uh, People's Democratic Party to All Progressives Congress. And, you know, the PDP are saying that that will kind of, or, you know, putting it rather, saying that will kind of, you know, unsettle the zoning arrangement. You know, journalists asked uh, PDP's leadership today, I think it was yesterday or the day before, and they said that, well, they are still thinking about the zoning. But uh, this is not unconnected to the issue of 2023. And the APC are saying more governors will come into <laughs> the uh, All Progressives Congress. Of course, you know, the Southeast have been really ca- clamoring for. Uh, who is going to uh, uh, the presidency of this uh, country? And just some days ago, the Ohanis the Indigo uh, came out to say that uh, it, they would um, uh, they want more 
dividends, quote and unquote, of democracy from the All Progressives Congress, and they are urging you know people from the Igbo extraction to join uh, forces with the ruling party at the center, that is the All Progressives uh, Congress. Well, the APC, like I did said, is persuading more governors. Uh, the governor of uh, Yobe State, Malabuni, and one of PMB's President Mahmoud Obari's strongest ally uh, today, you know directed party leader in the South is to reach out to more governors and National Assembly members in the region uh, to join the full of the uh, All Progressives Congress. And of course, uh, the zoning debate, zoning or no zoning debate uh, that has been raging, some leaders in the North, political leaders and ideologues in the North, you know, think that, you know, married credibility, you know, should take the day. But Steve Resistan, of course, from the South saying that, no, uh, it is our turn right now. Well, uh, I, I think it's it's even more worrying for me that with all the challenges we've got to deal with, uh, with a bad economy that we're trying to put our feet in, uh, each time I see governors talking about recession, the first thing that comes to my mind is this. Don't even threaten us with getting into recession. We're really deep in recession right now. And um, I feel it's always alive that I would even vote in 2023, all this calculation that we're doing. Uh, Nigerians need to have food on their table. That should be the priority right now. Nigerians need to feel safe. You to go out in the morning and come back uh, within the space of six years there's been about six increments in the price of pms and obviously that goes into every other you know product from kerosene to diesel even uh, you know uh, even that's jet fuel and the uh, nigerians are asking if you picked it up at 87 50 cobble and you're now at 168 to 170 to 173 and you've thrown it open because of the fact that you you regularize the downstream sector and you say let the marketers uh, you know the market forces dictate what Nigerians get and all of these things should be the priority of Nigerians right now I remember I was asking the guest yesterday if he feels you know there's so much money being thrown in there's a lot of social scheme uh, the empower the social empowerment youth empowerment and all of that and he said it and I really held on to that that until you look towards industrialization until you choose to produce what you can consume you are not ready to grow an economy so when I see all these permutations you know 2023 2025 i keep asking myself please keep us safe first <laughs> more seafood job first absolutely <laughs> or is it in the best interest of the nigerian people for example socialism has over the last hundred years socialism has been tried in 40 different countries exactly all of those countries failed they failed all of them you know failed so i, I don't like the buhari nomics you know so to speak you know of tossing money to people mm. Because it's just like a beggar. A beggar, you know, you reinforce a beggar's, you know, begging by every day giving him Because if he believes that once he's there, he would get. Absolutely. But if he comes there, you don't give him first day, two day, you know. He'll say, okay, what solution can I provide to a problem that I can get money and sustain mm. myself? Sustainability. Uh, so it's just common sense, you know, for example. Yeah, well, we have an insert. Uh, we're going to play you from Wole uh, Olugbero uh, regarding the finance bill of 2020. Uh, we have an expert that is going to help us, you know, understand the issues. Uh, but again, Sean Kuti, <laughs> you know, he's hmm. in the news. He wants to revive uh, uh, the former political party of his, you know, late father, hmm. that is Movement of the People. Uh, they wanted to have a meeting, you know, at the Africa Shirai that is in, I think, Suru Lira. I've never been to Lagos. Is that Ikeja? Ikeja, I mm. don't know. Okay. And don't worry, I'll take you there very soon. And Lagos, <laughs> okay, uh, on your word. 
Lagos State Police Kamara wrote a letter, you know, to the family saying that no, not such thing, you know, should go ahead because of the threat to peace and tranquility in in in, in Lagos, basically. And uh, our friend Ava Jalingo was there, you know, you know, uh, and Femi Shewunkuti, you know, put out a statement saying that just because of the respect, out of respect that he has for his family, he wouldn't want to go ahead, you know, with the uh, meeting. And he just said it's just a meeting nothing really threatening about that it's just a meeting of like minds to come and discuss the way forward you know in in in, in our country well we have this insert is going to take four minutes there about from wally uh he's an expert he's going to give us a brief like a tip of the iceberg on this finance bill and then we'll have a, our guests expert expert lawmaker as well and we'll jump into the into the conversation stay here <music> Maybe if we, if we take a quick step back, you'll recall that um, in 2019, we saw the return of the use of uh, this finance bill, you know, accompanying the appropriation bill, uh, you know, to the National Assembly. And that law was passed uh, earlier in, in, in this year. So the promise then was that this will remain as an annual exercise so that on a continuous basis, we can make some, some little tweaks here and there in our tax legislations in response to uh, whatever is the emerging uh, uh, reality that we need to deal with. So uh, this week, um, we've had the Minister of Finance you know, exposed to the general public what you can call you know, the, the latest version of uh, a bill that will eventually be submitted. So we must mention that um, as, as we speak now, the bill is not yet submitted to the National Assembly, so it's an initial stakeholder engagement and trying to seek input from, from, uh, from, from a taxpayer and everyone so that um, we can all participate uh, in the process. It so will still be approved by FEC and, um, before it's submitted to the National Assembly. Well, um, so let's look at the five, five uh, thematic areas, like you said. Uh, so one is around making some amendment to the tax law uh, and the Fiscal Responsibility Act. So the number of provisions in the law that are probably overlapping or ambiguous or that needs to um, be, be, be introduced so that we can institutionalize certain reforms. So that's one thematic area. Uh, there is the other thematic area around ease of doing business. You know, you recall that we've made some, some, some bit of progress, we've made some gains with uh, the initiative of the Presidential Enabling Business Environment Council that is leading the Ease of Doing Business initiative. But many of this reform needs to be institutionalized so that they can um, become permanent and, 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 and the gains can be, be, be long-lasting. So that's another part of it. There is also the area that is dealing with, um, you know, the disaster management and response to COVID-19. Um, so there are initiatives around uh, setting up a crisis intervention fund so that we can have pool of funds available to the government to be able to deal with uh, cases of natural disaster uh, such as COVID-19 that we have. Um, also uh, on procurement processes, the number of changes that have been uh, you know, um, proposed in those areas and, and fiscal reform. So those are the thematic areas. The, the truth is that one single finance bill may not you know, eliminate all of the challenges and all of the troubles that we may have in our tax law, but they a very critical element to making sure that at every point in time we are able to make quick fixes and quick responses. So, for example, even as recent as the law that was signed this year, there are a number of you know, ambiguities, 
uh, overlaps that the law had, I mean, they, 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 we have uh, identified in the course of implementation, you know, that needed to be, you know, that needed to be set straight. Um, they, there are some uh, changes that were made, for example, that in the current crisis of COVID-19, the government deemed it appropriate to be able to maybe relax the rule a little, and I can give a, a, a quick example of that. Um, in the, in the Finance Act 2019, we introduced, uh, we made changes to the minimum tax rule, uh, uh, which set it at 0.5% of turnover for businesses. If, if you look at the impact of that on many businesses that are likely going to be reporting losses uh, for 2020, for example, okay. government says, look, we can you know, propose halving that, you know, reducing that provision for uh, minimum tax into, you know, by 50%, for example, and that will be applicable for this year and, and, and for next year. So we, we must recognize that this is not the um, this is a finance bill right it's not the economic recovery law so it will be part of the critical element that we need uh, to be able to uh, provide palliative ensure that we respond to some of the changes that we are seeing on the fiscal space um, if, if you look at the the bill that was signed this year the last year's uh, bill it focuses essentially on about four key areas. One is uh, provide incentive to SMEs and, and introduce some ease of doing business initiatives. Um, the second was to raise revenue for government. The third, government identified that the number of provisions in our tax law that have become a cake, uh, you know, and disincentive to business, those, those, some of those were changed. And generally just to align our tax law to global best practices. And I must say that some of the changes that we made earlier in the year actually came very handy uh, in responding to the crisis, for example. It, it, the micro and small businesses um, tax incentive that were introduced, um, you realize that if those were not in place, it will be part of the cry you know, that we will be making now to say, look, you need to incentivize uh, micro and small businesses. You need to provide some uh, tax palliatives to them. But because that came in, you know, at the beginning of the year, it was like we were one step ahead in, in, in responding to that. Well, there you have it. Lengthy discussion. You know, this finance act that the president just signed, uh, I myself, you know, I've read lots of literatures about it, but I'm still confused. The question I ask, how does it benefit me? How ordinary man go see food, you know, chop for this thing? All these big, big ground waiting on, you know, speak. So we have an expert. Uh, we have uh, the member representing Langtang North Central uh, State Constituency. Not, not, sorry, not, okay. North, North, yeah. North, North State Constituency in the House of Assembly. Uh, I wanted to say right or maybe uh, that is a problem. I maybe you're saying I know. Well, we have Honorable Pirfa Tiam Jingfa. Well, he's here with us. Good evening and thanks for coming. Good evening, Paul Sack. Yeah, well, I've been uh, seeing a uh, lot of pictures of you playing golf. It's like uh, that is what you've been up to these days. So talk to us. What have you uh, been up to, you know, more before we go into this fight? I mean, you just heard the inside. Well, um, hello, PME. And hello, everyone that is listening. Yes, not, Lantern North Central seems to be the appropriate uh, classification. But for a mistake that was done earlier, we have to stick to it until it is corrected. However, I've been, yes, I'm learning how to play golf, and then it's basically for exercise. Okay. I don't have the strength to run 6 to 10 kilometers a day. It's easier <coughs> to walk. So, and then as I walk, I swing my arms, trying to put a small ball 
into a very tiny hole. So the frustration that comes with it uh, keeps me going and then the fun when I get to do it in less number of strokes is is actually one. <laughs> okay. So first, let's uh, talk Plateau State first. Recently, the state government declared 16 billion naira in IGR. People, you know, it got a lot of people wondering how possible is it from January to sept- uh, September. Explain to us how possible did the state government raise 16 billion naira. I'm, I'm not saying million, I'm saying billion naira. Okay, um, there's, a, there's, there's a misconception. When it comes to IGR, many people assume that revenues are basically taxes. Now, for but although the 16 billion came from the Board of Internal Revenue, uh, about almost half of it was as a result of tax audits recoveries. I think seven point between 7.2 and 7.6 billion was as a result. So explain what is tax audit? Where did the uh, the auditing you know take place for us just to understand? Okay. Um, firstly, um, before now, the state operates under what we call a self-assessment regime. That's a tax regime that allows companies to file their returns as at when due and then on their own. It also gives the tax authority the right to carry out audits. And that is what gives them even the power to charge interest and penalties when they are found wanting. So as a matter of routine, it is expected that the tax audit department of the Internal Revenue Service of a state or a nation will carry out routine audits just to check and ensure that taxpayers are paying the taxes correctly and and then when it's due. Uh, With the understanding also that some will try to evade or avoid paying taxes. So they set it up as a program and then they carried out tax audits for some MDAs, uh, MDAs, ministries, departments, and agencies, and agencies mm-hmm. or companies, or whatever, uh, yes, or companies. So um, for the case of Plateau, the tax audit department carried out this, um, they carried out this tax audit and then found out that this particular MDA was, was, um, was owing with regards to taxes up to the tune of, uh, I think, over 15 billion or so. Demand notices were raised, then reconciliations were done, and then those payments happened. So basically, that's how the tax audit program is. Okay, so uh, auditing of, okay, uh, very clear now. So talk to us about this finance uh, act that was signed. I recall it last year it was signed too by the uh, president, you know, and this year we have a new one. Uh, how does this seek to benefit, you know, the man on the street? That, that you know, cliche that we've created in Nigeria, say, the man or woman on the street. How does it seek to benefit them, for example? Okay, the, the, hist- the concept of the finance bill um, is to easily amend the ambiguity in the tax laws. Firstly, um, the 2020 Finance Act seeks to correct some ambiguity, ambiguities in the Company Income Tax Act, the Value Added Tax Act, the Capital Gains Tax Act, um, Petroleum Profit Tax Act, Personal Income Tax Act, um, the Stamp Duties Act. Now, one of the things it does for Company Income Tax Act, I'm going to call it CETA, is that it seeks to eliminate double taxation. It is the same Finance Act that encouraged our then 
made it a law for companies to be registered with their tax identification number. It is also the same act that broke down the definitions of small, medium, and then large uh, enterprises, and then broke broke it further down to say if your gross turnover per annum is between 25 million and 100 million, then you're a medium taxpayer, you're a medium enterprise, and then the the incentive for you for the 2020 Finance Act is that your company income tax now drops to 20% instead of 30. So all these things for the CETA is supposed to encourage the SMEs to grow. If you come to personal income tax, it does a similar thing. But in this regard, what it focuses on is ensuring that a, so a, a person registers or opens a bank account with his tax identification number. All these things are geared towards developing the data to help government plan. Because even up to this moment, government plans with projections, we don't know the number of people, the, the, the exact number of people in Nigeria. But this seeks to find out those who are active, who earn money, those who... Are taxpayers, for example. Yes. Or in the tax net. The tax net, yes. Okay. With, the, with, the, with, the, with the intention of dragging more taxpayers into the tax net, yes. Then for the value that added tax, it is the same finance act that mandate that gave powers to the bill to the to the, sorry, to the amendment of the VAT uh, percentage from 5% to 7.5. It also went further to now draw up another incentive to say that except if you're be between the medium enterprise and then the large enterprise, those the smaller ones have extensions with filing their tax, their VAT returns. The medium and large have up to the 21st of the next month to file their tax returns. And then if even for penalties, for CETA and then VAT, the penalties have been increased. I can't remember the exact figure for now. Then when you come to petroleum profit tax, the whole concept of PPTA, which is Petroleum Profit Tax Act, was built around encouraging the investment in the petroleum sector. Now, one mistake that was made before now was that, I think section 60 or so, clearly stated that um, once whatever deduction you make for PPT, when once you deduct petroleum profit tax, no other deduction can be done. That posed a challenge to the Federal Revenue Service because for a Nigerian company, you must, you're expected to pay education tax of 2%. Now, when, you, when the law for petroleum profit tax says once you deduct petroleum profit tax, you can't do any deduction, what happens to 2%? So the finance act corrected all these anomalies. Another critical area is the, they call it frank investment. You know, it's, okay, in summary. Yes, I <laughs> don't want for it to be very technical. We just want it basically so that people... I will understand and, you know, came to the conversation, yeah. Yeah. So, in summary, what the Finance uh, Act tends to do is that every year they look at the ambiguity of the law and try to make it easier with one sole purpose, and that is to en- to encourage SMEs, small and medium enterprises, grow. Because that is the only way Nigeria will grow and then you're going to have the issues of employment, you create wealth, you create jobs, because... Government cannot do this thing alone. So that's the main reason for the finance act. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, it, enough said right now. 
Uh, but just like Ponsak asked, I've always told people every single policy of the government should have direct effect on the least person on the streets. Uh, you sell sugarcane, uh, you sell water, whatever it is that is a means of survival for you, especially if you know that you're not getting anything as a civil servant as it were. But all things being said, um, how do you think all of this would stimulate the economy going forward from 2021 because virtually every economy of the world had been dealt with badly by the devastating effect of the COVID-19. A lot of countries are going into national lockdown right now. Norway, Hungary, even Great Britain right now. United States is recording record-breaking figures of hospitalization, new cases and all of that. So it seems the whole world at, at this moment is in big problem and even those people that Usually, we carry plates to borrow money from talking about Nigeria. They've got a lot of problems to deal with. Now, how do you think all of this finance act, the bill, the, you know, trying to break the, uh, the complexity in the tax system, how will it help us to stand strong in 2020? Because there's a feeling among the Nigerians that once a year is ending, the new year opens a new calendar. See, 31st of December was not just yesterday. How do you think Nigerians should be hopeful going into 2021 as regards, you know, economic revival and, you know, basic means of survival? Okay. Um, firstly, we are very lucky we don't have record-breaking cases of COVID. So Nigeria may not go into the second lockdown. I think I would, if I say thanks to God, I think I'm being fair. Mm. Yeah. Then, with regards to economies, you see, there must be deliberate attempts. And that is what the Finance Act sets to do. Before now, if you have a company, whether your turnover is 1 million one, or 100,000 or 5 million, you're mandated, mandated to pay 30% of your profits as uh, CETA, senior company income tax. But the financial bill has now cascaded this further to, to say, okay, because we want you to put in more of your profits to improve your business, pay less tax. It is void of trying to say we're giving you tax holidays. But even beyond that, if you look at how the revenue or, um, services around the country have acted, they've done extensions, they've given people, they've waived penalties, they've waived interest because... The, because government understands that at this point, if you insist that you must get everything that you are supposed to, a lot of people the close their businesses. Yeah. So tomorrow, who are you going to tax? And coming from the backdrop that this COVID nineteen pandemic hit Nigeria, hit us badly. You know, it is just now that oil prices are recovering because people are moving. Unfortunately, now countries are locking down. Yes, they are because. I mean, we were arguing, we were, we were having this discussion with a friend of mine, and I said maybe because our systems are used to malaria and typhoid and other tropical. We seems to have moved on. <laughs> so our system is, our system has really adapted because the record cases of COVID has really dropped in Nigeria. The ex my expectation was that by now we're going to be recording cases in hundreds of thousands, mm. but thank God we're still within the pay, the level that can be managed. So I don't think we are going to go into recession. Mm. But those steps taken are steps taken by government to stimulate the economy. You know, before now, when we were young children, I remember you could go and buy a car off the stand with, you have, you have a job, they do some deductions from your salary, and then you're good to go. There was a middle class. 
And then what stimulates the middle class? And what is the what is even the importance of the middle class in an economy? There are those that have the purchasing power. It is the middle class that buys cars, lots of cars. They do they spend the money. But in Nigeria, fortunately, we have two classes. I was telling someone, as long as you have you live in a house, you have a car, then you're rich. Because <laughs> That is how it is. We don't have a middle class that used Anymore. to exist. Yes. So it's the rich and the poor. But this act can stimulate creating a middle class. And once that is done, the economy of Nigeria will pick up. Okay. Uh, now, uh, you sounded really optimistic about, uh, you know, the success of this bill now. But then I'm a bit worried. Uh, one of the problems we've had as a nation had been, uh, you know, it seems we try to create complexity in simple situations, for instance. I've always been confused about the issue of multi, uh, multiple tax. I mean, you pay property, you pay income, you pay this, you do that, despite the fact that you're earning almost nothing. Now, what do you think state governments now? I want to, I want to stay with state government. I recall when, uh, you know, Governor Simon Bakulalong was trying to drive the idea of the plateau where they donated, they created tax office in all the 17 local governments, you know, gave them mobility. You know, it seems all of that is trying to drive the economy. But at various state levels now, what do you think state governments should do in terms of, you know, keying into the, uh, the tax bill at the same time trying to increase their own IGRs? Okay. Now, for tax purposes, right? The federal state and then okay it starts from the federal and ends at the state what local governments do mostly are rates levies and so on for plateau state let me use my state as an example now the concept is multi is double is is multifaceted like you collect taxes you collect levies you collect leads, rates now for houses we don't do property tax in plateau we do tenement rates mm. now if you have a copy of your C of O, the description, all the grammar there specifies one thing. The land belongs to government. They're giving you on a lease for 99 years. And from our little understanding of a lease, it's like they are renting it out to you. You are supposed to pay... Land lease. charges. Yes, charges. Mm. That is where the calculation for tenant, tenement rate comes up. That's why you can pay a different fee compared to your neighbor because you have more land or he has more land. And then same land in just might be charged slightly less if you go to just east or if you go to Barikin. Uh. That's for one. Then for personal income tax, for example, it's from your salary. It's a, uh, the tax tables are there. They do the deductions from there. So at every, that's for state. If you go to the local government, yes, they collect some kind of tenement rates, particularly the rural areas. They collect levies. They tell like... Um, in Lagos, they will tell you television and radio, <laughs> levies and co. That is how it's broken down. The Finance Act, in fact, one of the first things it, it, tries, it has tried to do and it's doing is at every level it notices multiple taxation, it tries to eliminate it. Uh. And that's the positivity about it because there are places that you pay tax here, you pay tax there, the same tax you paid at three different levels. The Finance Act is frowning at that, at that and tries to to, to compress it to one. You pay once and then that is all. Okay, now let's reconcile the private sector and the public sector. Uh, 
uh, it seems government is always more interested in the public sector, especially in situations like this. We've seen, you know, little uh, fund injected into certain sector. And a lot of people within the private sector have said, we're also paying tax. Look for a way to drag us into whatever incentive you're giving to staff or maybe civil servants, for instance. I remember when the issue of, you know, having to pay salaries when the schools were locked down, public school teachers, their salaries were still going on, private school teachers, a lot of them were based on half salaries, some were not even paying at all. Now, how do you bring this together? How do you think the government can find a way to, you know, allow the people in the private sector, you know, benefit a little from this, you know, all these grammars we've been speaking since? Okay. Um, I, I, at, at the floor of the house... There was a motion that was moved with regards to teachers and then workers at the private sector. It was really heartbreaking for us at the house because we, we know some of them and some of our colleagues are coming from that sector too. But truth be told, one major problem that Nigeria is facing with regards revenues and how states are run is the dependence on allocations from the federal, the SREs, the statutory allocations. Because Nigeria is mono-economic, whether we like it or not, once price of oil is affected, everything shuts down in Nigeria. The lockdown came, people couldn't move, the demand for oil dropped. At one point, the oil sold for zero, zero dollars. Mm. Yes, because there was no demand. That affected our inflow. That affected the monies that were going to be shared at the top. Now, if you were a father and then your children are hungry, you have food, you firstly feed your children before you give someone outside. So why I'm using this because at that point, we could do little or nothing because what was coming to Plateau State was barely enough to pay salaries of the private, the, the public workers. But even at that, the uh, plasmida yeah, Plasmida did something. They threw up. There were adverts. There were um, yes, there were adverts on air. The federal government tried to stimulate and then support um, small businesses that had minimum of three or five workers. There was some kind of registration, and people who had access to it did the registration, and then they paid the salaries of the workers. I think between twenty, maximum of fifty thousand naira oh, per okay. person for three months. So there were incentives that the federal government set up. Now I think our problem in Plateau is uh, information. Because even for us as a house, we got, we stumbled on this information very late. And then for people, we were trying to reach out to people and for those who could um, Key access, into it. Yes, mm. they, they got, they got this, the support. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, <clears throat> well, I, I think we should open the phone line, but uh, let's take this breaking story, Boko Haram. Daily Trust is reporting that Boko Haram shot down a helicopter in Borno, in Banki Town, in Borno State. So uh, that's the latest information we're getting right now from Daily Trust. They're reporting that Boko Haram has just shot down a helicopter in Borno. Well, uh, we're going to bring you this in our you know, subsequent programming. In case you're just tuning in, we have uh, the member representing Langtang North. North. Yeah, Honorable uh, Pirifa uh, TM is uh, with us. Uh, he's a financial expert. He's helping us to understand the Finance Act. There was one last year that's, that said if your company income tax is not more than $25 million, you are exempted. That is the one for 
uh, if, if I'm correct, uh, there's one for last year, if it's not more than 25 million. Uh, and then uh, this year, I think there's a, a new caveat to it yes. uh, to say that for the VAT, uh, you, you be, uh, that is the current economic climate, the minimum tax is reduced from 0.5% to 0.25% yes. of gross turnover uh, for the period ending between January 1st, 2020 and December 31st, uh, 2021. So we're just looking at this and how will it benefit? I recall that the federal government is massively registering you know, companies, incorporating companies for free of charge. Uh, so we don't... Uh, at the end of the day, the president on the one hand is saying Nigerians anticipate recession, in fact, uh, there was a survey uh, today. Uh, they said food prices, you know, went high in um, in um, Sokoto, in Kaduna, uh, in Zamfara, I think, but they were low in uh, uh, Kebbi and Katsina State. So uh, all of this, how does it? Uh, at the end of the day, if people, put, if the purchasing power of people is low, people don't have money to buy. How will it like kind of generate economic activity? So, uh, basically, we're looking at that relationship uh, with the member zero nine zero nine eight eight four eight eight four eight. You can uh, join the conversation on our on our Facebook platform and as well as on our Twitter platform as well. At Jeffem Joss is our Twitter handle, and don't forget you can stream this from any part of the world. JFM that is JFM.ng www.jfm.ng um you can if you, you, you just see the a button you know on our website and if you press uh your life and you can connect with us and you can have this as podcast to be played multiple times on your multiple devices at any time of your choice so that is a deal breaker so you can go to jfm.ng slash podcast uh you can you find the title and then you know the date and you know download for your pleasure Zero nine zero five five six 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 nine nine. Let's take the first call. Hello and good evening. Hello, good evening. Hello, good evening. Okay, that isn't working. Hello, good evening. Hello, good evening. We're glad you called. Thank you for uh, joining us. Tell us your name and make your comment, please. Thank you very much. My name is Sadi Kumar. I'm calling from TT and T Junction. We're listening to you, sir. Yeah, I want to comment to Honorable for enlightening us about the financial tax, which is related to the budget. And actually, we have seen or uh, he has educated us and we have known how to generate, generate tax now in the government, which including the company tax and the personal income tax with the other tax. But the problem is that now the benefit of the tax now to the people because the citizens now they don't have the transparency of how these tax have been spending. Because even in the process of the collecting tax, you see that some of the tax collectors are not fair. The way the government has planned, the way they are uh, training the staff that they are collecting the tax, that is not fair in the uh, system. And in Plateau State, we don't have a lot of companies, I think, like the, our the internal generated revenue is very, very low. Because we do not have a lot of uh, companies or a lot of investment. The government do not support investment because as we see the level of our market, there is not any friendship to people to come and invest in the business. So we are calling on the, uh, the, the uh, honorable to advise what kind of advice will you advise the plateau state government to, in, 
to like uh, improve their internet generated revenue. And thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, Sadiq. Thank you for that uh, comment. We got too late. Sorry about that. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let me take some um, see how. Okay. Uh, let me start taking some tweets that uh, we got. Nosyangu uh, Gomjohn is saying, until we see the tangible benefits, we can't conclude for now. 16 billionaire IGR federal allocation, this is huge, and we expect to see project coming up, uh, not just salary payment. EFCC have serious work to do on the plan to come 2024. La long way is our money. Okay. Uh, this is coming from Boniface, is saying, uh has something good come out from the karma act the president signed not too long ago the finance act will not be an exception to the poverty-stricken nigerians who are in majority i hope sign act will be another misplaced priority uh right again hello and good evening okay zero nine zero nine eight eight four eight eight four eight if you have comments on our facebook platform uh then uh will help us you know read them out or you, you can go to our Twitter handle at JFM Jones. That is our Twitter address. Uh, and, you know, tweet at us. And as soon as I see it, um, I promise you I will take, I will take it. Okay. Uh, Facebook.com first, like JFM Jones. Uh, drop your comments. Ali Muazu says, Is Mr. President aware of the hardship and uncertainties facing the masses? Uh, well, my only thought says, um, My prayer is just for 2023 should come quick. I'm tired and angry. About the whole thing going on. Good evening. But tourist David says, with this skyrocketing price of goods, the income of, of an average man in Nigeria comes like an ant, and the needs and demands come like a mountain. Nigeria is at its worst. Okay. Uh, Joseph Sule says, like the dog would always say, truly a banquet in the house. Let it see it on the ground. We wait to see the physical manifestation of the IGR in terms of socioeconomic development that benefits the masses. Otherwise, all is just grammar. Okay, Said Shamsidin says to me, all of these are of no use because none of this will get to the common man on the streets. Victor Badger says, this government has totally failed completely. No account for anything. Ain't they ashamed at all? Charity Harley says, my major problem and worry is this. Why is it only during Christmas period that they get to hear hike in petroleum pump price? Our politicians, please, pity for us. Stephen Ashams, I'm tired of talking of this government. It seems the more we talk, the more, the, the more incompetent the government becomes. I've lost interest in this administration. Nigeria will be great again. Amen. Emmanuel Enyi says, no pains, no gains. Let us bear every... Okay, I won't use your word. Our voters' car would speak for us. Izang, as he says, um, our so-called politicians have failed us. My call to the youth of this country, let us come together and take over the leadership come 2023. If not, we still have a long way to go. Uh, Sam Baji says, the common man on the street today are on the receiving end of everything. Our currency had been devalued and nothing good is being projected by the government. 200 naira can't buy anything in the market today. What a pity. There are loans everywhere. God help us in this country with the hashtag. God give us good leaders. But Simon Davis says, since independence in Nigeria, uh, the poor persons have never benefited anything good from this government. Rather pain, hunger, and starvation. Barrister Lohan says, I'm very tired of this administration. Why all these? Anyways, Nigeria's government are... Uh, 
these words are heavy. I mean, they're really heavy right now. Comrade Danok Antiba says, only God will help us in this administration. Nothing good is coming. Langs James says, uh, the answer is nothing because we have benefited nothing from all the act policies signed in the past. Moses Yaro says, Clearly, the government is only concerned about generating revenue, uh, but unperturbed about creating employment for conducive working environment for businesses to thrive. Uh, they don't feel the heat, but we do. They should sincerely pay the minimum wage to elevate a fraction of the workers' hardship. May God hear our prayer. Ayuba Simon saying, seriously, uh, this government has not gotten their footing on financial structures for this nation. They should be humble to seek help uh, from financial experts. May God help us. Nathaniel John says, by my calculation, the state generated an average of 1.3 billion monthly. This is ridiculous. Uh, good evening to your Shams student says, uh, this administration is very good in terms of policy, but implementation of their policies is the problem. I just hope this financial policy will not be a story as usual. Ezekiel Best Omerigbe says, uh, for the, from the onset, this administration lacks technocrats to handle the economy. You don't expect to repeat same things and to get different results. How does all of this translate to alleviating the sufferings that Nigerians are going through? Uh, Albert Daxa says, Nigeria is very excellent at paper presentation. Okay, uh, little wonders why the TSA isn't performing the wonders proposed by its implement implementers now. We need a reorientation on the mind from bottom to the top for the system called Nigeria to work. God bless my country and uh, good afternoon. Yeah, well, uh, lots of interesting. Uh, so uh, I guess you've heard people expressing, you know, doubt. First, the government said they was going to they were going to give palliative to people in the private sector. Private teachers have cried, cried, cried. Private school teachers, but I'm not sure. I don't know if anything has you know uh, gone their way. In, you know, in terms of palliative to cushion the effect of the COVID-19, they they've been out of work. You know, for uh, four months. You know, or so and uh, well, nobody gave them anything. And the government said that they were going to look into their own plight. If the government, you know, give palliative to private school teachers, could it cushion, you know, uh, could it like stimulate economic activity because they've been redundant and there's no, you know, economic activity, you know, on their end? And will it like boost the economy of the uh, state or country? Well, the, the answer is no. Now, our major problem as a country is that we're a consuming nation. If you look at our budgets, from the national and you trickle down, you notice that recurrent expenditure lines take more than 60%. Even in Plateau State, does it ever bother you that we're paying 80, over 80 billion against 40 billion, you know, our capital uh, recurrent expenditure? It is. You know, we, we had this discussion at the House uh, earlier today and members really were not happy with certain things. But the point is, it's the Nigerian problem. I think, uh, well, I know it's going to take a political tone, but the person that had tried to stimulate the creative sector by engaging people to be self-dependent, I remember very well was during Good Luck Jonathan. He deliberately, when he had this issue, win before people hijacked it. Even his policies, if you look at his automotive policy, I remember very well got companies like Nissan, they started assembling cars in Lagos. I think uh, Volkswagen came to check a plant in Ibadan. 
and then Ford had contacted the Nigerian government that they wanted to come and set up a plant. This was because it was he found out then that uh, about 60 or 70 percent of cars that come into Nigeria were assembled in South Africa, and the question was like, what? Why? And that was why the policy for increasing tariffs, custom duties, and co came up. It was to discourage people from Imports, buying imported yeah. cars. And then Innocent came up. But unfortunately, we've lost that track and then we consume. The reason why dollar, the Naira falls every day is basically most of the things we have, we, we, we buy, we purchase are imported. And any country that is stuck on consumption and doesn't switch to production will always end up the way we are. And you see the first step, we said it, and then Okay, look at the allocation to science and technology. Those are ministries that spur development. You understand? The allocations are not are not, are not are nothing to write home about. Look at what they are locating at the federal level. You understand? We must intentionally invest money in sectors that will spur growth. Yes, you know, and then we because we like quick wins. Put money, we just invest money, you get the returns tomorrow. We must we must have issues. But if we must grow, if we really say and claim that this is a problem, we must, we must as government, and when I say we, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm even including myself, we must wake up and say, you know what, invest more in sectors that will spur economic growth. Young people, we have lots of young people outside. We have people who are willing to work, but there are no jobs. You know, government can't employ everybody. But if businesses are springing up and you're picking three four people off the streets and they have an income I'm, i mean it's good the, the economy will pick up they'll buy food they'll, they'll board buses they'll buy clothes it will every every sector will be affected so for me even if government had paid those salaries no because what would they do it's so not about the argument for minimum wage are you optimistic that the state government coming up with labor's demand for example because i I learned that uh, there was intervention, you know, from some members in the House of Assembly. I don't know if you are part of that committee uh, to talk to Labour. So, any further information that, that you would like to share with us? Okay, yes, I wasn't part of the committee, committee okay. but these are my thoughts, and it's simply mine. Before now, there was clamor for 22,500 or so. Sorry, 18,000. 18,000. Yes, during the last. Uh, administration yeah but you know good luck then did not pay eighteen thousand. he moved to 12. the big question is why why is why did pmb accept 30. it now means he knows that he can't pay he knows that the nigerian government can't pay now the people i feel for more are the local governments when local getters yes nolge yeah. when the thirty thousand minimum wage um projection was made they gave them their spreadsheets there is no local government in plateau that needed less than 120 million for just for salaries Interesting. in fact collectively they needed over 2 billion extra from the already 2.2 billion that yes. which bill yes so it's going to be 4.2 4. billion yes so you know where would that money come from some local government, the Denogi had some local governments were, were really wonderful. They had an agreement with their chairman and they let it go. But the point is, 
there is reality and there is uh, ex- expectation. We are faced with reality. But back to my own bias. If you ask me, instead of paying the 30,000 minimum wage, wouldn't it be better for government to employ people between the, level, the great levels of 6 and 8 and pay them the former wage? That way you have more people earning something and then you've reduced the number of people on the streets. Like I said, it's my own bias. Okay. So, uh, yeah, tell us your final word uh, because we're pressed for time. I wanted to really go into this issue of wages and stuff, uh, but we're pressed for time at this at this point here. Yeah. Well, I'm, as a young person, I believe that Nigeria would be great. And then um, from the comments that um, I heard and then comments read uh, based on people's um, um, people's assessment of government it's really heartbreaking i really i i, I don't know i don't think sorry is fair to say now but i understand the pain people are going through it bothers us too we're also young but we belong to the nsas movement because i mean 18 to 40 you're still a young person so we fall within that age bracket but we must collectively work to save our state one of the encouragements for me was listening to some young people in Lagos who would tell you they, out of nothing, are trying to make a life for themselves and then the SARS move, the SARS, and SARS comes in to harass them. That really touched me differently because it's true. You find young people who the system has failed, try to make... Try to create a space for themselves. And they are working and they are earning. It shows that Nigerians are not lazy. I know for, for, for one of the best times in my life, I was proud to say I'm a Nigerian because yeah. the stories around the lucky thing. You drop your phone mistakenly, someone so picks, picks it and takes it there, they make you. an announcement for they, it. They, you know, they, gave, they gave me so much hope. And when, when I get to read their comments, watch videos on Twitter, I'm like, I am proud to be a Nigerian. I just want to plead with young people. Let's not give up on this country. The young people in parliament that I know are pushing and are trying to see how we can come up with, with ways and modalities to improve the livelihood of our young people. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, that is our guest, Honorable uh, Prefer TM. Thank you very much for coming. Well, you have like 20 seconds to give your... Uh, well, I'm probably just going to buttress what the Honorable said. Uh, it's clear now that we have the number, we have the attention of the world, and how we want to channel that uh, is for us to decide. But the kind of expectations we're having for 2023, I'm really beginning to get worried. I just hope that uh, we'll get it right. Uh, beyond just going to vote, uh, making the right choice is going to be important for us going forward. Uh, good evening. Thank you for joining us and stay out of trouble. Well, Barrister Daly Faro Timmy will disagree with you. He's <laughs> insulted anybody waiting for 2023. <laughs> Wish you well, Honorable uh, Peter Fatim. Thank you very much for coming. Have a good evening. Stay tuned to the news top of the hour, 6 o'clock. Bye now. <laughs>